All right, welcome to and kill you with truth. <laughs> My guys, Nate Jackson and Chad Brown, and we have a huge night tonight as we're all the first time that we'll all be together with our pal Vic Lombardi, and you never know what other surprises happen. And we'll be at a brand new studio, live Bills Broncos watch along. We'll get into that game in just a second. Does your company? Need help going forward in the digital world? Well, Rob at robatdesk.com. He's our guy. Add social media content writing podcast. Rob at desk.com. Click on the contact tab to connect. First of all, uh, I want to start with you, Chad. Does Prime know what he's doing? It doesn't appear to be that way. Uh, I, I know the situational football conversation has cropped up. Uh, so there's been... The call now the offensive line. Last week was the whole fight club ridiculousness. Um, and for a team that plays as undisciplined as the Colorado Buffaloes play, to encourage that kind of thing in practice and then to see it spill over into the game and affect their chance of winning the football game was incredibly disappointing. And then to your point, there's some situational things, some timing things, some into the half things that Prime as a coach is, doesn't seem to be calling properly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, it begins to chip away at the thought and understanding that Prime knows what he's doing up there in Boulder. Yeah, I guess um, I got to go back to chat here, Nate, just for a second, because defensively in football, there are some weird moments, very weird situational moments where you got to let the other team score or the game's over. And not only did Prime not embrace that at the time, Chad, he didn't even seem to understand the question. Afterwards, when Brian Howell was supposed to ask him about it, like it's third and three at the six. If they get the first down, you got to drag that guy into the end zone, right? Right. You have to, because at that point, the score is secondary to the amount of time on the clock. You've got to understand which is the lesser of the two evils you're dealing with as a head coach in that situation. So Prime needed to allow them to score in order to preserve as much time on the clock for his offense. Again, did not seem to understand the situation as evidenced by him not understanding the question that was being asked of him. Hey, let me, let me get this straight. Well, let me get this straight. What you were wanting to him to do is on third and three, they're trying to stop him. But when he realized that he completes it beyond the sticks, then drag him into the end zone. You got to let him in. College kids, I don't know if they have the wherewithal in that moment to switch to switch modes during a play when they're trying to stop the play. And then all of a sudden, Oh no, he's beyond the sticks, which I can't see. Cause I'm looking at the play and then drag him in the end zone. I'm going to give him a pass on that one. I don't think, I don't think most NFL players have the wherewithal to switch modes in the middle of the play. Typically that's okay. They've got this first down. We got to let him score. And that happens in the huddle. Doesn't it Chad? It should be discussed in the huddle. It should be discussed on the sideline before the series. It should be understood and talked about. Hey, guys, it's two minutes left. Depending on how this drive goes, at some point we're going to signal from the sideline to let them score. Um, but, wouldn't so that that should be, be, but wouldn't that be before a play starts? Not like, hey, try to stop them on this play. But if they get past a certain spot, then don't. Like, does that happen? Have you ever had that call in, in the huddle? Uh, no, but it, what, how that would happen is, okay, this drive is – we haven't stopped them for in a, for a while defensively. So the coaches have lost confidence in us defensively. And at some point during this drive, we may have to allow them to score in order to preserve enough time for offense. So it needs to be discussed on the sideline, not just one guy coming into the huddle saying, hey, guys, hey, guys, if they get the first down, we're going to let them score. No, it needs to be discussed 
on the sideline, needs to be discussed during the week of practice. There's, these scenarios should be brought up constantly so all the players are up to speed with each of their individual assignments given a given scenario. I am yeah, always done that there's Sorry, that there's not more <laughs> end of game and end of half situation practice. I mean, all you know, winning a game so often it comes down to what you do at the end of a half or the end of the game, and you practice everything in the world. Like, how is that not even a like? I'm going to say a play call. Like, you practice it. You know, you you are aware of it. It's like when I was coaching my you know 11 year olds, we practiced the infield fly rule. Not that right. the infield fly rule happens all the time, but my kids damn right knew it because it happens occasionally. And it can really screw you up. Nate, come on. I mean, how is that not something that's gone over? It's end of game situation. You got to go over the situations, but I but I think that's a tricky situation. When you're actually trying to stop them from getting the first down and they get beyond it, it's hard to pull off in the middle of a play when you've already dialed yourself in to get it. But I would say this about that, just the bigger picture about situational awareness with football players. I feel like, you know, the intellect of the modern football player is waning. How smart are these players? Did they grow up watching the game, watching games start to finish? The what the way I learned football was watching games start to finish as a kid. So you do understand situations. You do understand why something is happening and what's about to happen next and what you don't want to do because of what's going to happen in the next drive. These kids watch clips. They watch YouTube videos. They watch Instagram highlights. They don't understand situations. And maybe Dion doesn't either. And so when I heard him talking, you know, uh, in the in the presser afterwards, and, and in my opinion, talking in circles, trying to justify everything that happened on his end, it shows me a blind spot. He will never admit that he doesn't know, that he might not ha- get it right. And, you know, he he talked about the penalties. And we don't coach him to do that. Well, you kind of do because you're encouraging him to fight. You're letting them fight. You're the most penalized team in the in the country, and you don't understand why. And I think that's a huge problem with CU. Now, the energy he brings, the recruiting, it's all awesome. a lot better. Than, yeah. So it's not horrible, but there's a blind spot there that I think he needs to clean up. Okay. okay. And, sorry, go sorry, ahead, sorry, no, go ahead, Just last go ahead. week in, in the NFL, nine games decided by four points or less. Mm-hmm. A record five games decided by three points or less. Mm-hmm. So your situational understanding of football becomes critical in these close games. Your ability to be disciplined, as Nate was just talking about, becomes critical. So these buffs outside of Oregon, as Coach Primus said, have been in every game that they've played. But looking back, particularly that Stanford game, when you start to get down to these games that are decided by just a couple of plays or a couple of points, the undisciplined penalties, the undisciplined play, or the lack of situational understanding by the players and by the coaching staff is what has prevented them from turning those close losses into possible close wins. We had a Nuggets game last night where Malone ripped his second unit for not, you know, wanting to play, basically. And Jared Bednar, I mean, took a flamethrower to his team after that devastating 8-2 to loss over St. Louis, calling it the worst third period. The third period was the worst he'd ever seen his team play soft call them soft said they quit so never mind laying off anything for Bedsy there and Malone was harsh on his team too guys how do we feel Nate about coaches ripping players in situations you know I think it's I think it's appropriate 
for a coach to rip to rip his team uh it clearly worked for michael malone last year right he, he's able to kind of put his hand on on the pulse of the team and figure out who needs to get ripped and when they responded to it last year and we have been ripping Dion for doing the same thing i think what's different is that when you fuck up as a coach you have to hold yourself accountable you have to say we got to be better i gotta be better and i didn't really hear that from Dion. i mean some you know the funny thing is about uh, um, Twitter, I had the audacity to uh, criticize his in-game decisions. And then people come at me and it's as if, you know, it, it takes an ugly turn as if I want him to fail right. for a specific reason that has nothing to do with football. And so you cannot dare to criticize Deion Sanders um, coaching style because you don't believe or you're a racist. And it's like, wow, OK, we're football people. We're trying to analyze the game. And we're trying to figure out how to get this team. I mean, you're you're an alumni, uh, Chad. You want these guys to be as good as they possibly can. We're talking mm -hmm. about football stuff, right? So I think there's a fine line between a coach absolving himself of, of any responsibility and putting it all on his players all the time and doing what Michael Malone does is, is pick and choose moments where he feel like certain guys need to hear this to get their asses going. And I think there is a fine line between those two. The, the, the standard is different between a college coach and an NFL coach. The college coach is there to literally help these boys turn into men. And part of that is protecting them from criticism because they are kids. Uh, and in, at the NBA or at the NHL level for Bednar and for Michael Malone, it's a far different situation because both those teams are in a championship window. So it's not like I'm complaining about some kids who have never played together and never played at this level before versus – the abs who, you know, his championship was just two years ago for Michael Malone and the Nuggets. That was just last year. Right. And if he is going to get these young guys who are part of his bench up to a championship level, well, they've got to find a way to step it up. And sometimes they're going to have some poor nights and those poor nights need deserve to be pointed out and criticized for them to understand what the standard is. Hey, we are trying to win a championship. You guys are going to be a part of this whole thing. And if, this is all going to work for all of us together. You have to step your game up. There's been a number of times in this young season where the Nuggets bench has been disappointing or played below the level of the opponent. Uh, now it's just finally time for Michael Malone to say something, but it's been a trend all year long. These young guys have to step up for this Nuggets team to win a championship. So it's literally the difference between winning another one or not winning another one. And I think in that situation, a coach has a pass to be able to criticize his players. Yeah, if the Nuggets just wanted to beat Houston, you would have just played Jokic more. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a way to do it. You just don't play all those guys. In fact, in the playoffs in basketball, you don't play those guys. The Nuggets just used three guys off the bench. Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, who was great for the Rockets last night, and Christian Brown. So it's trying to figure out, like, well, who are those three guys? Because in the playoffs – you know, you just do it differently. So it's got, it's a painful process to get the young guys going. And, and to me with prime, it's like, they're all young guys, but <laughs> right. you don't know what you're doing. And yeah. it's not like we're anti prime. I don't want him to go anywhere, but I think he prime needs to spend more time doing practicing for himself. I think he needs to go through more game situations with his coaches to try to figure out, well, how do we do certain things rather than just, you know, rah, rah, everybody. And man, oh man, I mean, come on, have some thick skin afterwards. I mean, give me a break. But we, we knew that was going to happen, right? I mean, we all knew that was going to happen. So we're not against Prime. We're not against CU. 
we just want the best and you're the one that raised the bar for level of expectation. Well, then you got to be better, right, Chad? If, if you're going to call out your kids, then you as a coach need to be self-reflective enough, literally look at the man in the mirror and figure out what your mistakes are and be able to call yourself out for those. Um, you know, one of my favorite coaches was, was Bill Cowher when I played in the NFL. And after a tough loss on Monday, Bill, or particularly on Sunday after the game, he would say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to look the man in the mirror. And he would show up to the Monday morning meeting and he would talk about his mistakes. This is what I did wrong. This is where I'm going to improve. So he did it publicly and he did it to the team, which then made him accountable to us. So it made him, it made it easier for him to criticize us and to coach us because he also held himself to account. That's what the best coaches do. The best coaches don't shrug it off. The best coaches don't dismiss a question at a press conference as if somebody's doing something wrong when they've got a question about something that's actively happening within that football team, uh, as was asked last week about the difference between Sean Lewis and Pat Shermer as a play caller. Coach Prime dismissed it as if it was it's grown folks' business and the kids don't benefit from this. Well, the kids need to benefit from whoever's calling plays because the plays need to be called better. You have to be able to throw yourself out there as a coach or as a coaching staff to make yourself accountable. And that's it's a it's, it's a becoming an issue now because it's now showed up in a couple of press conferences in a row where there's an inability to recognize, to self-reflect as to what you had to do with something that's going wrong. All right, Chad, we're going to get to another significant issue with the Buffaloes at the end of this. So stick around because it's, a, it's an important one. It's different, but mm -hmm. it's important. Nate, five walk-off field goals yesterday. And look at the teams the Broncos are about to play. Minnesota beats the Saints 27-19. The Browns beat the Ravens 33-31. The Texans, oh my God, with C.J. Stroud beating the Bengals 30-27. The Chargers charger. They scored 38 points at home and lose. That's who the Broncos have. But the Broncos, after the Chargers game, play the Lions, who beat the Chargers 41-38. So what exactly do the – some of these games we thought might be easy or easier for the, the Broncos coming up, but Minnesota's turning around. The Browns are tough. The Texans are the story of the year. What do you think about this slate of games coming in front of the Broncos? That's why I think that when, you know, when the schedule comes out and everybody grabs a schedule and they're like, win, win, loss, loss, win. win. I'm like, shut up. Just shut up now because the teams you think are going to be good are going to be bad when you play them. The things that teams you think are going to be bad are going to be on a hot streak when you play them. Any given Sunday, man, you got to take every game like it's your last. I mean, it's very cliche, but you got to prepare to win every game and take each opponent incredibly seriously. You got to you got to put in a game plan that you think is going to put your best foot forward in the moment that you're in. You got to watch the last four games of film of this team that's on wherever they're at. But you also got to assume that a team that's playing poorly is going to get right against you as well. Yeah. You take it one week at a time. It's it's a silly cliche, but it's absolutely true in the NFL. These are 32 teams full of the best professional football players on planet Earth. They're all spending the exact same amount of time every day preparing. They all have career football coaches who are very intelligent. They all care about their profession. They care about their bodies. You're going to get their best shot every week. And if you don't give them your best shot, you're going to get your ass kicked. Chad. Okay. Uh <laughs> yes, Nate's made, made a great point. You, 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 once you once you in the NFL begin to look at it as an opponent as easy, that's going to bite you in the butt. Just from an outlook and a mindset standpoint, 
Um, but yeah, Minnesota, Josh Dobbs, he seems to have brought in live to, to that offense. Wow. Uh, Cleveland, we, we knew their defense was good, but now Deshaun Watson and offense is starting to get improved. So this Broncos schedule, which starts tonight with Buffalo, where we'll be doing our watch party, uh, goes from what we thought was going to be easy to now it's going to be more difficult. And for this team, which has won two in a row, we get to see if that was some fool's gold. Are they actually able to compete with some of these teams who may not be the better teams in the league, but are certainly teams that are moving in the right direction. We consider the Broncos to be moving in the right direction. Well, the Minnesota Vikings certainly are. The Houston Texans certainly are. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, we'll see what they bring on tonight. But the Cleveland Browns certainly are. So three of the next four games, we have an understanding currently that those teams are teams that are moving in the right direction. The arrow is pointed up. The same thing that we think about the Denver Broncos. Now we get a chance to figure out, or as the words of Gary Kubiak, we are fixing to find out who this Bronco team really is. All right, guys, give me your predictions. We got some injuries there in the Buffalo secondary, uh, the Bills secondary. Uh, Josh Allen, yeah, he throws a lot of touchdowns, but he throws a lot of interceptions. Nice. And and the and the Broncos have played it safe relatively in terms of turnovers. What do you got tonight as we watch it along live here on the old YouTube and Facebook and the blah, 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 blah. Nate? Yeah, man. I mean, you could call me, you could call me a homer. You're a homer. You're a homer. Homer Simpson? Homer. I think the Broncos are going to find a way to win this game. I, I really do. I think, um, I don't know if you saw it, but, um, and I, maybe this was like this fake news AI generated, but, uh, Sean Payton put a, a Buffalo Bills symbol on the yes. field. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, he did. he's pulling out all the stops psychologically. He's playing crowd noise and all that, which which all coaches do as well. But um, no, there's a precedent for the Denver Broncos going into Buffalo and beating them. Uh, I was on a team that did that on a last second Jason Elam field goal. So this is going to be a last second Will Lutz field goal. It's going to win the game uh, for the Denver Broncos. 24 to 22. Chad? All right, Broncos have won three of their last five. Buffalo Bills have only won two of their last five. Oh. Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen need to find a way to get it together offensively because the stats and the numbers say, oh, they're pretty good. But you watch them, and they turn the ball over too much. It's a little bit too much of Josh Allen hero ball out there. This offense is not uh, cohesive. It's not steady. It's not consistent. So there's certainly an opportunity for the Broncos to win. But I got Buffalo right in the ship. Josh Allen being good enough. Uh, I got Von Miller making a splash in his uh, return to uh, playing the Denver Broncos. I got this 24 to 20 Buffalo Bills over the Broncos. I have a close game too, but I'm taking the Broncos. Why not? We had no. five, five walk-offs. Let's make it six. Broncos win 22-21, something like that. They take advantage of some stupid turnover the Bills do late, and they get the W and shock the world. Or they lose one way or the other. You know, that's the way it goes. But we'll be watching along with you. We're going to have a blast tonight. It's been really fun when we've done this in the past. And tonight we watch it along with you. Final question for you, Chad. And Nate, this is a tough one. This is a person. This is personal. Chad, do the University of Colorado Buffaloes need to replace Ralphie? Because this Ralphie don't want to run. I mean, that is not a joke. This Ralphie, Nate, don't want to run. I know. I've had conversations uh, uh, with folks about this Ralph. This Ralph is young. This Ralph is getting it figured out. And uh, Saturday was an uh, an Oof. awful performance. She, oh. and she she wanted to make the turn at the ten yard line. Oh. They got her out to the thirty. Not and good. Then she, they they let her make the turn there at the thirty. 
you know, so the team doesn't really run out behind Ralphie anymore. This weekend was the closest they've done all season. Typically, they let her run kind of by herself and they come out later. Um, so this was the closest they got to that. But yeah, her performance leaves a lot to be desired. So hopefully spring ball will be good for this Ralphie to get things figured <laughs> out and create the more proper, dramatic Ralphie entrance that we're all expecting yeah uh, because if, if it does not improve over the course of spring ball <laughs> then yeah we got to find a new ralphie some ralphies like to run some don't and this one in her young age appears to be one of those ones who does not like to run hey man ralphie is lacking situational awareness who <laughs> 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 needs to figure that out let me ask you this chad has, has there ever been a, a historical correlation between ralphie's performance and the team's oh, performance is that like wow. an omen ever or is there any connection there wow um all i know is the ralphie that i ran out behind which i, I think was ralphie three or ralphie four uh she was awesome she was massive she was full grown i mean she would literally make it not well past the 50 before she made the turn. We could run out behind her and it wouldn't frighten her. So it was one of those super dramatic, traditional Colorado Buffalo entrances where we take over Folsom Field and we go out and we have a victory. Um, that is certainly lacking from the victory side nowadays. And it's lacking from the experience of, of Ralphie and, and her confidence to be able to pull all this off. So that's a great question that you ask because I, again, reflecting back on my times, the entrances were always incredibly dramatic, full speed, and Ralphie was running her butt off. I mean, what a weekend. The Nuggets lose last night. The Avalanche get embarrassed. Prime doesn't understand football, and Ralphie can't run. <laughs> what the hell happened this weekend? Life right. is once looking up here in Colorado. <laughs> Damn, I, what happened? So, hey, we got you covered tonight. We got you covered always with Kill You With Truth. Boys, we'll see you later tonight for the watch along. Kill You With Truth. <laughs> Boom.